0: thanks for being with us. It's a great time to be in Akron. It's gorgeous outside, and the Cavs just crushed it. It was an awesome game. If you saw that, can't wait to see the rest of it. It's going to be fantastic. And before we even jump into our next, you can clap, by the way, for the Cavs. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before we jump into our conversation today, I want to tell you about an opportunity that's really fun. We're going to be talking about students today. And uh, if you know this or not, uh, we have students going into uh, camps and conferences and missions trips all year round. And those are amazing, really life-changing opportunities where our students and our kids kind of get to uh, be invested in and get to hear about Jesus and learn the Bible and really investigate their faith in huge ways. And a lot of life change happens there And sometimes there's some situations where our students are under-resourced and they're not able to make it to those camps or conferences. I wanna tell you about an opportunity uh, that if you have a heart for students and you want to help under-resourced kids get there, get to camp or conference and uh, really see some life change happen, you can do that this weekend. We opened up kind of a special opportunity. It's uh, if you look in your app or online, it's called Bath Youth Scholarship. And if you give resources towards that, it will help students be able to go camps or conferences or missions trips and, uh, and really be able to have their faith mobilized. So if you've been thinking about giving, this is a great opportunity to jump in and do that. Or if you just have a specific passion uh, for students, this is a great way uh, to see life change happen in them. We want to make sure you know about that and uh, take advantage of that if you want to through the app or through the paper, kind of the, uh, the envelopes there in your chairs. You know, we've been in a series now over the last handful of weeks. We've been calling right now. You know, what we've been saying is that all of us are in a life, kind of a life situation or a season. We have a right now that is unique to us and we're in a unique phase of our lives. And uh, one of the things that we said about that is there's always going to be parts of our right now that are normal that we're used to that we kind of carry into the next one. And there's parts of our right now that are new that I'm a rookie at. Maybe I'm in a a different school, or I've just graduated, or I'm starting to be a new parent, or I've got a new phase of life that I'm trying to figure out. And and always, whenever a new season opens up, I got to figure out how do I live in the middle of this season right now, kind of with the new and the old, and and take advantage of it, kind of fully live in it. And uh, one of the things that we said is whenever I'm living out my season, it's always tempting to be drawn out of it and for my energy to get pulled out of focusing on living in the now and i end up living kind of somewhere else right and we talked about three different myths uh, that i might believe when i'm living in my season of life in my right now we talked about the arrival myth we said that uh, it's totally normal to look into the future somewhere and say that's my point of arrival When I pay off my student loans, when I get married, when I meet somebody, when I graduate college, when I retire, whatever that arrival point is, and to look out into the future and say, when that happens, man, then I'll really start living. This is really just kind of limbo. When I arrive, that's when life will begin. We said, that's a myth, That's not true. That's not really how life works. The reality is that my life is happening right now. The other myth we talked about is kind of the flip side of that. It doesn't look into the future, it looks into the past. We call this one the nostalgia myth. This is where I look backwards and maybe remember a, a high water mark, the glory days, when life was amazing and things were really happening and I was happy, maybe kind of all the stars aligned. Right? Maybe it's back when I was a kid and I didn't have any... Cares or troubles. It was just amazing then. You know, or maybe it was when I was dating somebody specific and it was kind of a honeymoon phase. Maybe it was a honeymoon phase. It was the beginning of my marriage when the kids were little. Who knows? Right? But, but it's back there somewhere, back in the past. And, and it's kind of the season that I compare all of my current seasons against. And I just wish I could get back there. And it feels like this is kind of subpar compared to where I was, where I used to be. We said, that's not true. The nostalgia myth isn't true. Right? My, my life, I can't go back in the past. I can't live there. That part of my life has gone, and now I'm in a new right now, right? and life is happening right in front of me. The third myth that we talked about uh, was this, right? where I could look forward, I could look backwards, or I could look kind of to the side, and we called this one the filtered life myth, and we said, with social media, this totally happens, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at your filtered, perfected, edited life, your highlight reel captured on social media. I'm going to scan through kind of all the highlights of what's happening in your life. And if my life maybe isn't exactly where I want it to be, if I'm a little bit discontent or a little bit frustrated, I can look at your life and think, you know, if I had what they had, if I wasn't here in Akron right now, if I was on vacation like everybody else on Facebook, man, then I would be happy, right? That would really make me excited. And we said that the reality with all these myths, the arrival myth, the nostalgia myth, the filtered life myth, is that none of them are true. Here's what's true. Here's what's real. The reality is my life is happening right now. Right Right where I am, right here, and that God actually works in the right now. He's not going to work necessarily in the future because I can't live there right now. All I can do is take care of what's in front of me today. It's the only time I can actually live out what God's called me to. And we said... It's not an accident that I am where I am. I am where I am on purpose. There's a reason that I am here. And you know, what we've been doing is asking this question, is it possible that God has me in a specific set of circumstances, in a specific season of life? Is it possible that in that season of life that God actually wants to do some things in me? There's actually some stuff that God wants to mold me and change me and grow me into the person he wants me to be. Is it possible also that God wants to do some things through me? That there's actually people in my life that he has put me in, in the middle of their context, in that neighborhood or that workplace or that school or that friend group or family, and God actually wants to use me to bring hope or encouragement or life change into someone else's life. Is that possible? So we've been investigating kind of those questions. And what we've been doing is really looking at different life stages We've been, we've been saying, what, what could these different right nows look like? And so we spent some time looking at motherhood and saying, hey, moms, this, this might be what it looks like for you. Uh, we spent some time talking about midlife investment. We said, if you are at the kind of the peak of your influence, how, how do you invest that well and take advantage of that and maximize that? We spent a week talking about singleness and dating. You know, we said, if this is my right now, how do I live in this phase of life And then uh, last weekend, we talked about work, and we said, hey, work is a place we spend a ton of our time, energy, and really our life. How do I embrace that, whatever that looks like right now, how do I kind of grab this season of work and and use it fully? What we want to do today is we want to have a conversation really about a training, but it's going to be kind of geared towards students. So if you're a high school student or you're a college student, we're going to be kind of talking directly to you. And then if you also kind of broaden it out, if you are somebody who is in a season of life where you feel like you, who you are is really being formed, if you're going through a, a kind of rapid change, may, maybe you're new in your faith, or you just feel like, I've been doing a lot of work on me right now, and I'm growing and changing, this will apply to you. I actually think at the end of the day, all of us kind of can walk away and have some uh, very relevant things walk away from this conversation. But we're going to be focused on students. That's going to be a lot of where our applications are going to land. And uh, we'll we'll be zooming in there. So I only thought it was fair that uh, since we're talking to students, since I get to see you as a high school student or as a college student, I thought it would be only fair if uh, you could see me as a high school student and a college student. So I thought I'd show you a couple pictures. Here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, See that? There's my grandpa. And look, I have hair. Isn't that fantastic? The rumors are true. I once had it. Here's the next one. There's me at graduation. How cute. Fantastic. Here's the next one. There's a gem. That haircut has been banned permanently from all people. All right? Here's the last one. Eighth grade. Thank God it's over. Okay. Great. So that's me as a student. And here's what we said: the student life can be all over the kind of all over the board. You might be a high school student in summer break. Maybe working. Maybe just trying to take advantage of your last summer at home or before college. You might be in summer school right now. Or maybe you just graduated and you're trying to figure out kind of how do I spend my summer? How do I maybe get rested up? Or maybe you're in the thick of working it out all right now. And as I mentioned, you might be uh, not in school at all, but you're kind of eagerly embracing change right now. You want to change and you want to learn and you want to grow and you're eager to receive that. And we probably go in and out of seasons of life where we're more focused on doing and we're more focused instead on growing or change and becoming a certain kind of person. And so, like I said, that, that if you're there, this is really going to apply to you if you're kind of in a place where you're eager or you're open to change and to move and to grow, and we want to have a conversation about that. right? So this is kind of the character development side of of uh, this season of life. And what we're going to do is we're going to look in the book of uh, the Bible, Daniel, and we're going to look at their story. Daniel and his set of friends have an amazing story, and we're going to look at the beginning of that story and really be able to draw some principles out of that to understand what is a season of training and growth really look like. So go ahead and you can turn there in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1 if you have a Bible with you or open up to your phone. You can follow along there in the notes. And then if you don't have a copy of the Bible with you, that is not a big deal at all. Love for you to grab one from underneath the chairs there in front of you. Use that today. It's at page 613 in those Bibles. And then you can actually just take that home with you. We'd love to have you even keep that and make that our gift to you. We'd love for everyone to have a copy of of God's Word. So Daniel chapter 1, As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. And this is just kind of a general comment about any book of the Bible. Whenever you open the Bible and look at at a certain book, the author is going to assume that you know some things that we probably don't know right? They're going to assume that you understand the context and the historical stuff that's going on all around the book, and that is certainly true of the book of Daniel. Daniel's going to write in such a way that he just kind of assumes that you know what's happening, because some major things have just happened when we open up the book of Daniel. And let me give you some background, a little bit of what's been happening here in the context, and it'll make a little bit more sense as we dive into it. So, hundreds of years before the book of Daniel was written, God would have chosen a group of people to work with. The Israelites is going to be their name, right? And he's going to say, "I'm going to work with this group of people in a specific, kind of a special way." And what he does is he calls this group of people. He uses Moses to free them from a slavery from the Egyptians. That's the whole Red Sea thing. If you remember that story in the Bible, and then this group of people, he begins to work with in a really specific way. He looks at them and he says, "Hey, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people." Let me give you some rules and laws as how to live, and this is going to be the best way that you can possibly live. And what he's going to say to them, in essence, is this. He's going to say, listen, if you live kind of my way, if you obey me, you follow me, if you're loyal to me, I'm going to to bless your life like crazy. I'm going to give you this land. You're going to live there. You're going to live in safety and in prosperity, and I'm going to bless you in all this way, right? This is all towards the people of Israel. And he's going to, on the flip side, say, listen, if you choose that you don't want to do that, if you don't want to follow me and you choose to rebel against me, you kind of go your own way, then I need to warn you that eventually, if you persist in that rebellion, if you keep fighting me over and over and over again, then what's going to happen is one day I'm I'm going to send a nation into this land that I've given you, and this nation is going to come and they're going to invade your territory, the land that you live in, and they're going to pull you out of your situation. They're, they're going to kind of siege this land, ransack it, and destroy all the stuff that you've created, and they're going to take the people that live in your land, and you are going to get pulled away, and you're going to be in exile in this foreign nation. It's going to be like a nightmare situation, right? And that actually has just happened to Daniel and his relatives and his friends uh, an, an empire called Babylon has come into this land a section of Israel called judah and what 's happened is they have ransacked it they 've sieged it and and they would have burned sections of the the country, their villages they would have killed people, they would have taken hostages. It is literally like a nightmare scenario and Daniel and his friends are are young men and they 're in the middle of that, and they 're connected to the nobility and the royalty of the time. So they would have been either related to the king or or their parents would have been advisors to the king and they would have been privileged people. They got to live and now what they're doing is they're finding themselves in a completely different situation, pulled out of their context, somewhere foreign and different and now they got to figure out how are we going to approach this, okay? So that's kind of all the background. Let me read you the story real quick and we'll give it a little more detail. Right, so, Daniel expects that you know that as you write this. Here's what it says. Daniel one, 1 It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and he besieged it. It says, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. It says, then the court ordered Ashpenaz, as chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Okay, so this would be Daniel and some of his friends. Here's how he describes it. Verse 4, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I love this. So Daniel's writing this, and he's like, yeah, the, the kind of guys that they're picking here, they got to be handsome, right? They, they got to have great bodies. They got to be brilliant, right? He's like qualified, right? That's me and my friends. We were the ones that were picked to be in that group. And he says, here's what's going to happen to him. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And here's what they were to do. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. They were to actually be servants of the, the one that just kind of destroyed everything that they would have known about, and he had, they now have to serve the king. It says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, and this new empire actually gave them different names, and that's all taking place. So here's what's going on. Daniel and his friends are being trained to, to serve this foreign emperor, And they're finding themselves in this situation that they never thought they would be. It's completely different than anything that they would have expected. And I want to draw a theme, not just from this section of the Bible, but actually all throughout the Bible. It's not necessarily a verse that would nail it down, but it's definitely an observation we can make. And here's how I said it. God often takes people through a season of training and testing before entrusting them with more. God usually takes people through a season of of training and testing. And testing before entrusting them with more. So here's here's what's happening in Daniel's life, right? Daniel is kind of moving from being a child to being the man that God wants him to be. But the path to that is usually kind of wild, right? It's a season of of training and testing and sometimes confusion, and sometimes uh, altered circumstances, which we're going to see in a minute. But this is actually something that's really normal in in the Bible, that as you look at the training of leaders and men and women who have been used by God all throughout history, there's always some markers to that season, and testing and training is going to be a part of it. So, if we took some time to look and kind of scan over the Bible, what we would find is that people like David or Moses or Daniel, even Jesus, would have parts of their life that were kind of devoted to to being tested. Jesus was even tested in the wilderness. He's God, and he was even kind of trained and tested. David's a guy who would have served for years as a shepherd, would have served his father, and the moment when he was called upon to to face the giant Goliath, he was actually bringing his, his family, his brother's lunch, He's kind of in this menial time where he would have been faithfully trying to serve. And this is a principle that shows up in the Bible that the people who are faithful with a little bit are given more. Whoever is entrusted with little can be faithful with little is given more. And this testing or training time is where you are. And if you're a student today, this is in many ways where you are. You're certainly not a child. You're on your way to adulthood Maybe you're already there, but God is forming who you are, and He is intentionally training you to be a certain kind of person. It's fantastic. It's kind of confusing. It's kind of overwhelming. I don't really know what's happening, but I want to recognize that this is the season that we're talking about. Anyhow, what we want to talk about for the rest of our time here is some markers that, that show up in a season of training. So, if we had to describe what this squiggly line kind of looks like, what does this look like? What is this season marked by? We're going to talk about three different markers of this season. Here's the first one. Expectations for life uh, that will be altered, right? My expectations for life will be altered. So, when you think about Daniel and his friends, certainly these young men would have had expectations about what their life would have been like. And they would, they would have grown up in a place of privilege. Uh, they would have thought, man, we're next. Uh, our parents, they're, they're going to hand over the torch to us and we're going to be the leaders of Judah and Israel. They, they would have had all kinds of opportunities in front of them. They would have had expectations about what their life might look like. Right? We, we can definitely assume that that's all happening in Daniel and his heart. And in a moment, right, in a day, Babylon would come in and everything that they would have hoped for and dreamed of and expected for life would be changed. And all, all that would change. And now they're in a different place. Now their life is headed in a different direction and they're in circumstances they never could have imagined. And they don't even know where their life is headed yet. Their expectations for life were completely altered. And I, I certainly experienced this. I think you probably do as well. I know for me, when I was a young man kind of facing life, I had all kinds of expectations. I was like, man, I, I, I started running track young, and I was uh, really terrible at it, you know? And I, I started to get a little bit better, and as I got a little bit better and started to hit a couple of my goals, I started to build these expectations and hopes. And, you know, it wasn't like, man, I want to be first place on my team or I want to go to district, I went big, like go ambitious. I was like, I'm going to go to the Olympics, right? Like all the way to the top, like right? max it out. And I started to have my expectations that I wanted to go to the Olympics. And I started running and, and all the time kind of running and training. I think the Olympics were in our area when, when that was happening. So I was fixed on that. And I thought, man, this is going to be amazing. If I can make it to the Olympics, I'm going to have this amazing story of how my life is changed and how great I am because of it, right? And it's just a dream I had. And we all have dreams like that, right? We all have dreams growing up. And it might, be, it might be something big like going to the Olympics or going to the NBA or, man, I want to play in the NFL or I want to be on Broadway or, right? Who knows what it might look like? It might be something that has to do with a relationship. I thought I would date this girl or I thought I would marry this guy or I thought our relationship would really work. And he didn't turn out to be who I thought he was, and now all these expectations, these hopes for life are altered, and they're changed. What's really fascinating about this part of life is is when you actually hit your goals. When you set out to do something, you start to hit it. Because here's kind of what happened to me. I, I started to train and get better at, at track and running, and I, what I would do is I would, uh, I would write down a, a goal of a time that I wanted to hit. I would ran the mile, and I would set it in my mirror and I would look at it every day. Like I'd look at it when I got up and I would look at it at night when I went to bed. And eventually what would happen is I made it to the point where I hit that goal. And I remember, I'll never forget, when I hit that goal, I remember thinking, wow, oh, that's it. Like that, that's all? That I've been living to hit that number and that's literally all it gave me? That's it? My, I expected when I hit that goal, man, that I don't know what I thought, but I thought my life was going to come alive, and I thought I'm really going to be someone. I'm living for this, and I expected that goal to do something for me. And this is how it is. I thought when I met that, that person that I fell in love with, or I thought when I finished high school, I thought, and whether I hit my goals or they, get, they come undone, either way, our expectations for life are altered. They're challenged and they're changed. And that's all happening right here in this phase. Right? We all know what that's like. Faith, face the death of a dream. And to wonder, now I'm kind of reeling, how do I approach life now? What do I live for? For me, my, my running career, right, I got asthma and I found out I had asthma and I found out I had a bad knee and my, my dreams for the Olympic went away mostly because I found out that Hitting my number wasn't going to get me what I wanted. And if you're a student, you might be in the middle of that. I thought we're going to go to state, or we went to state. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Now what? Here's Daniel. And I thought my life was going to look like this. It's not. Now what? Where am I headed? Where am I going? What is this road that I'm on? My expectations for life are altered. Here's the next one that I I notice. That my deeply held convictions will be put to the test. My deeply held convictions will be put to the test. This is fascinating what happens in Daniel's life right here. Because Daniel would have been trained in his faith. He would have learned about God growing up, certainly from his parents and then probably from other teachers and his peers that were in his life. They would have told him who God was and how you should follow him. And that would happen in very specific ways. And now Daniel's put in this different context. His friends are with him. And now they're all having to face this decision. Hey, do we live out our faith in this new context where we, one, we don't have to, or two, we're pressured not to? Our convictions are being put to the test. Look, look how it works. Verse 8 of the same chapter in Daniel. It says, but Daniel resolved uh, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. We'll explain that in a minute. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. He says, Now God has caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they would drink and gave them vegetables instead. Here's what's happening. So Daniel would have been trained. He would have been raised as an Israelite to know that certain foods were kind of illegal. They were off the list of God's approved foods for that group of people at that time. So he would have known some of this food that's set before him is off limits. And then he would have known that probably all of this food that's set before him would have been offered to a false god, a god that he didn't believe in. And he would have known underneath all of that that most of what was happening is there was an attempt by the the Babylonian empire to kind of cause Daniel and his friends to cave in, to assimilate into the Babylonian empire, to let go of their faith and their customs and become like them. And this was just another attempt to pressure them to let go of their convictions And to remove them from all of who they are, strip them of their identity in many ways. That is going to happen in the life of anybody in this phase. You guys know how this works. If you're in, if you're in school right now, and if you say, "Hey, I go to church," there's going to be some pressure right away from from some people who say, "Why would you do that? Why why do you believe that way?" And maybe there's a cultural norm where it's okay to go to church. It's okay to like casually be connected with Jesus stuff. But if you're somebody that's, that's actually legitimately serious about following Jesus and you want to do what God wants you to do, what's going to happen if you do that is you're going to face opposition for that decision, for those choices at some point. And Here's what I'd say is the, the greater level of independence that you have right? The, the more you're moving away from school and from parents and being on your own, the more that pressure is going to go up, right? And, you, and listen, you have challenges that I know nothing about where the conversation never ends with social media, and, and I'm not even sure how that would look, but I, I know that there's a pressure to what you face and what you experience because of your faith, if you have one. What happens? The question is, what happens when my parents are no longer there. This is what Daniel went through. When my, my peers are no longer there, my teachers are no longer there to support my faith, and now it's just me. Maybe I have some friends that believe with me like Daniel had, but I have to make a decision. Am I going to hold on to what I believe when the pressure hits, or am I going to cave in and assimilate and, and say, it's okay, I'll, I'll grab kind of the royal food. This is where Daniel is, and certainly this is where we are. And if you grew up in the church and and maybe your parents brought you here or you're here because you have a genuine faith in Christ, you know that's going to come. Some of us are here, and I recognize this. You're here because your parents maybe kind of make you come or you got drugged along with a friend and you don't know what you believe or maybe you believe something that's other than following Jesus, right? You have a different set of beliefs. Listen, you would be more like I was in high school, I, I didn't follow Christ until after my first year of of uh, college, the very end of that college year is when I decided to follow Christ. And I would have had deeply held convictions, man. I would have looked at you in high school, and I would have said, I'm an atheist, and I believe this world is here by accident, and here's what I think life's really about. And I would have said that stuff with some confidence. I remember... Uh, I remember when those convictions started to come under fire and I found out that my convictions actually weren't that deeply rooted. They were just opinions that I had. So here's what happened to me. I I had some confidence about what I believed in high school. And then I go away to college and here's what started to happen. My, My family started to break down. My parents were moving towards divorce and I was frustrated about that. And my, my grandfather, I just showed you a picture of he passed away during this time and I, and I was frustrated about that. I was grieving that. I had another grandparent who was sick and I was frustrated about this and my goals didn't happen the way I wanted them to. I, I wasn't running college, college, kind of college track like I originally set out to do and, and now where am I? And I remember one, one night my friends were going to go out partying, they were going to go out to a club like we would do all the time And uh, I said, guys, I got to, I can't go tonight. I need to go on a run. I'm going to go clear my head. I went on this run. It was probably about 10 at night. It was raining. And I went on this long run. Remember, I would have said I was an atheist. And I remember on that run, I remember just, just kind of stopping. I ended up walking and just crying and screaming out to God. Like, why is this happening? Why are people that I love, why are they dying? Why, why, did, why did I listen to everything that everybody told me to do and it's not working? Like I, I hit my goal and it didn't give me what I wanted it to, to give me. I, I don't understand. I don't know what to live for anymore. Now I would have looked you in the eye and said I was an atheist. And at the same time, I, was, I ended up praying on this run. I'm talking to God and saying, I don't get it. I'm so frustrated. I do not even know why I should get out of bed in the morning. I don't know what I'm doing. What would happen is that that run started to solidify a process in me to recognize that what I believed and what I thought I believed was not rooted in anything. Right? My my convictions weren't weren't really convictions. They weren't real beliefs. What I was looking for was I was looking for some deeply held convictions rooted in reality, in truth. So about six months later, after that run, my friend—we're on this big road trip—and in his SUV, he—he he was on—we're on the way back from this big road trip around the U.S. And he told me about what it meant to follow Jesus. And I remember thinking, "That's it. That's it." He talked to me about you can—you can. You can know a person. He'll forgive you for your sins and he can be the purpose of your life. I didn't understand everything what he was saying, but what I knew was what you're telling me right now is what I have to do. Now, I didn't feel pressured by him. I knew that what I was doing was not working. And I knew that what he was telling me was my best crack at living for something because I wanted to live for something and all of us do. And here's the thing this is the phase, this is the time when we figure out what we really believe. It's just, this is the place. I can look at you all day long, right? If you're a student or if you're investigating your faith, you're not a student, I can look at you and I can tell you following Jesus is the best decision you could ever make. It is the surest way to find a life of joy and adventure and peace and he will never fail you. You will not have a life that is easy, but you will be anchored in truth and in reality, and you will do what you are designed and created to do. You'll find what you're looking for. I can stand up here and say that with conviction all day long, and you probably have people in your life that can look at you and say the same thing. But that's really not that important. What's important is this. i want to look back at you and say, do you believe that? What do you believe, and why do you believe that? I know what everybody else believes about sex or money or my direction or or how it should be, but what do you believe? Do you have a conviction that you would hold to? You say, "I'll, I'll be mocked for that, and I'll be ostracized for that, and I'll be made fun of for that, and I'll die on that hill. When the royal food is set before me, I'll look and say, "I'm out. No thanks." Why? Because there's a fire and a passion and a conviction that drives my life. This is the part where that's formed. It's not my parents' faith. It's not my friends' faith. It becomes mine here. It's part of what God does in a, in a training phase, a season where He's He's burning out kind of the weakness and the impurity of my belief, and He's helping me to land in a place that is sure. Where I say I know who I am and I know who I follow, and God give me the courage to hold to that no matter what. Deeply, deeply held convictions are tested. I believe they're even formed during this stage. Where does this land? Here's the next one, right? So my expectations for life will be altered. My deeply held convictions will be put to the test. Here's the third one. I'll be put on a path that leads to the uncomfortable and to the unknown for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to find myself, if I if I choose to embrace a season of training that God has me, and if I say this is where I am right now, God, I want to follow you in it, here's what I can guarantee you, you you will face the unknown, and the uncomfortable on a regular basis, on a regular basis. That's going to happen. Think about Daniel's life. You can just see it in his story. If, If we could look at the rest of how it all played out, what you would find is this, is Daniel would continue to grow and develop and thrive, and he would find himself in unbelievably uncomfortable situations where he wouldn't know what was around the next bend. He'd find himself serving the most important human being on the planet, Nebuchadnezzar, the the empire, the the ruler of this Babylonian empire. He'd find himself in a den of lions where his life was at risk. He he didn't know where it was all going to lead, and it was totally different than anything he had ever expected. But he leaned into it, and God blessed it, and God led him on this unbelievable adventure. It's wild. It's crazy different. And and this is what it is to follow Jesus. If you're a student or maybe you're investigating a faith in Christ, let me just tell you this. Uh, Following Jesus is is not a lame, sterile church service. It's not safe. It's not a life of safety. It's not a life of comfort. It's not easy. None of that's true. Frankly, if it was, I wouldn't do it. Following Jesus will lead you to places that are unknown and they're unsafe. But God is there with you. It's a life of adventure that is beyond imagination. So Ryan, what are you talking about? What could this look like? I think it could show up in a handful of ways we talk about being uncomfortable and being plunged into the unknown. See, God might look at you and say, I want to lead you in, into places you've never been before. I want to lean into your relationships. I'm going to introduce you to people you never thought you would talk to before. I'm going to put you in the lives of people that need to hear my truth that might make you uncomfortable. I want you to love them because I love them. He might lean into our relationships and say, listen, I I want you to surround yourself with people that will make you strong in this way, strong in your faith like Daniel and his friends were. When you start to date someone that maybe doesn't know Jesus, he might press on that and say, listen, I I want you to trust me with that relationship This is not going to lead you to a place of life and joy and peace. You're you're going to find yourself in trouble. So what's going to happen if I break up or what happens if I move away from that? I don't know. It's a place of the unknown. He might cause you to to embrace some unknown habits. And As I'm trying to figure out where God is leading me, God might look at you and say, hey, I want you to fast about this. Have you ever fasted before? Boy, it's an uncomfortable thing. Nobody wants to do that. He might look at you and say, I want you, to, I want you to learn how to pray at a different level. I want you to depend on me and cry out to me. I, like, like I'm real. Like I'm not just a, a, a church service. I'm not a religion. I'm, I'm a person, and I want you to tell me the deepest, the darkest, the, the most real parts of your heart in your life. He might look at you and say, I want, I want to cause you to find me in the Bible in a way that you never have before. To actually know what it says and to find real answers in here. I remember when I came to know Jesus and I was having lots of conversations with people that grew up in the church and one time I I looked at a guy and we were in an argument about about what God thought about something and we were disagreeing about it. I said, Hey man, can you just like can you just show me where it says that in this book, like this the Bible that we believe? And he looked back, me, I mean, he realized that he had no answer. He had no idea what this said. He knew what his parents said. He knew what his pastor said, and that's all good stuff. But he hadn't owned it at this level yet to say, man, this, this is my faith. I want to know what I believe and why I believe it. And I, I want to stand on the reality of who God is because I found it and I discovered it myself. God's going to lean into some of the habits that are in my life that are probably hurting me. He's going to look and say, listen, if you're dating that guy or that girl and you guys, you're sleeping together, he's going to put pressure on that and say, listen, this is hurting you. He'll say, I don't know what's going to happen if we break up. He's going to look at you and say, listen, that porn problem that, that I've been bringing up with you I want to move towards you in that. I want you to bring that up. I want you to tell someone about it. I want you to get help because you know you've tried to beat it on your own and you can't. And you might say, what, where's that going to lead me? That's a, that's a place I'm uncomfortable with. I'm un, it's unknown. I know. But it'll lead to life. If you want to become who God has made you to be, when the unknown and the uncomfortable shows up, I got to lean into it not shrink back from it. This is what God does. It's how it worked in Daniel's life. It's how it works in our lives. Because I can tell you this, on a regular basis, I find myself saying, God, I I have no idea how I got here. Like, it took me about five years to even feel comfortable standing in a church building. It was so foreign to me I was like, I never thought I would ever embrace a religion. I never thought that I would be a person that would be passionate about God and the Bible, right? I thought I was going to be in business. I thought I was going to be some, doing something totally different. And, and now I find this, this new reason, a new why and that passion for the answer that I found has not gone away in the 17 years that I've known Jesus. And I keep finding myself in places that I'm going, God, are you serious? Like, you want me to do what? I'm afraid. I don't know where this is going to go. This is not comfortable. But man, as I embrace it, I'm living the adventure. And God's continuing to do this in my life more and more. In fact, I think I'm in a season where God's trying to change me and grow me and take me to the next level, even now. But here's the thing, especially right here, Akron, Ohio, 2017, I can look and say, I, I could fill my life watching the adventures of other people through a screen. Right? I could. I could. We all could. and I got to make a decision? Am I, am I going to watch other people have adventures? There's nothing wrong with entertainment. It's just not something to live for. We'll live through other people and, the, and their story and their epic journey, or am I going to live the adventure that God has called me to and it's happening right now? Am I going to watch adventures? Through a screen, am I going to live my adventure that God's created me for? He's called me to. It's a question that I'm wrestling with. i got to answer, I think, in this phase right now. i got to make a decision. So where do we go from here? How do we move on this? If I describe this as a place where my expectations are going to be altered, my convictions are going to be tested, I'm going to be plunged in the unknown and the uncomfortable for the kingdom— Here's maybe a takeaway point. If I'm going to pick where to focus and what to do, I want to focus on walking the path, not on trying to guess on where it ends, right? We're focus on walking the path, not trying to guess where it ends. I'm like this in a huge way, and God continues to teach me how to do this. I, I always want to know what's it going to look like? Where's it going to lead? What are the circumstances going to be when, when I level up and I go to wherever God's going to take me? Right, what city am I going to live in? And how, how, what role am I going to have? And maybe you think, who am I going to marry? And what, what are all the specifics of all that? Let me give you an answer. Literally, nobody knows the answer to that question except God. Right, for you, for me, only God knows that stuff. Your parents can't tell you, your teachers can't your pastors can't tell you. I I have no idea what the future is for you. I can tell you that that God will make you more like Jesus. I can guarantee you that. It'll change your character from the inside out. The circumstances, literally only God knows. So instead of trying to figure out what that end game is going to look like, what if I took my energy and my focus and I said, you know what God, I'm right here and I want to walk the path that you have for me. I do not know what it's going to look like. I can't see around the bend. It's unknown. It's scary. It's crazy. But I'm I'm going to lean into it. And some of us might say, Ryan, on this path, you know, I've, I mean, I've drifted. Um, I've sinned. I'm I'm stuck in sin. I'm in a pattern. Sin. I'm in a bad relationship. God God knows all that. He knows where you are and the beauty of it is you're one step back. Hear me. God is eager to forgive you. He's eager. He's eager to forgive your sin. He's eager to receive you back. And here's the reality. If I don't quit, if I don't stray away and leave it behind, if, if I don't quit, I win. That's how this training things works. It's not about being perfect. It's about not giving up. If I get back on the path and say, I'm in. God, I want to learn what you have me to learn. I want to be where you have me to be. I want to focus on staying on this path. Then God will make you who he has made you to be. It's beautiful. See, this could have went a thousand different ways for Daniel. Daniel and his friends could have looked and said, I want to know the end. I want to guess how it's going to look. It looks overwhelming. So you know what we should do? We shouldn't try to hold on to our faith. It's inevitable that they're going to smash us into this mold. And they could have caved and they could have cowered. They chose not to do that. They chose to say, we're going to live right where God has us, fired by the passion of their convictions and they followed God, and now the book of Daniel exists. And we look back at Daniel and say, man, if I could have a journey like his, a life of joy and adventure and impact, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. If you're here today and uh, you're a parent of a student, here here might be a couple things that we could keep in mind the faith that God is trying to build in, in the person in your life, as your niece or nephew, your child? That is his job to do. Right? So let them own their faith. Let them own their journey. I would encourage you to do that. And usually it's us, we're the ones that are trying to keep things safe, safer and more comfortable. Don't go on that mission trip. It's dangerous. Let's not be the, the voice of the ones calling people out of this season. Let's encourage that. Celebrate it if it shows up independently. Why? Students have always been the ones that have set the pace. They've been the tip of the spear in leading in faith. It's always been true. you look at the history of the Bible, Daniel and his friends would be that way. David and Goliath the disciples. They were the ones that said, oh, Jesus, you you want us to leave our nets and leave our business and follow you? We're in. Peter walking on the water. Can you imagine looking at Jesus? And he's like, yeah, just get out of the boat. Put put your foot on the water and stand on it. Young people took amazing acts of faith and they've set the pace. And it's no different today. God is calling our student, you, to set the pace in following after Jesus and embracing what God has for you. That's what he's doing. And listen, if you're a student and this this phase of life feels frustrating or confusing, and you're like, where is this even going? Let me just encourage you. It's going somewhere. If you include God in the process, You are being formed into who you are going to become and God is going to use your life. In what ways? I have no idea. But I can trust that God is going to use you in powerful and in amazing ways. Can I take heart in that? Lean into it. Here's probably my final question for us. It's what I bring up with myself on a regular basis, I gotta remind myself that there's always gonna be a draw. God's always gonna bring up in my mind and in your mind things that He's calling us to, that are unknown, that are uncomfortable. Right when you when you pray, there's something that God brings up in your mind that He's been talking to you about. That thing that he wants you to deal with that you haven't dealt with yet as we wrap up our time we begin to sing and worship would you look at that and say say God, I'm ready I'm ready to lean into the uncomfortable and lean into the unknown I'm going to follow you into it I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm in. Can we do that? The thing that you're scared of. Maybe it's being baptized. Maybe it's taking a look at your purity. Maybe it's confessing a sin. Might be going on a, a mission trip. It could look a thousand different ways. But if God's been bringing it up in your mind and in your heart, that that's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. That is God himself, the Holy Spirit, calling you into a deeper path, path that leads us to a different place. As we sing and we worship, would you let God talk to you about that? Bring it up in a new and a different way. Father, we want to pause right here, right now, Lord, we want to recognize that that the season that you have us in is a season where you're you're training us. You're changing us from the inside out. God, thank you for loving us enough to, to forgive our sins. You know where we are and you know how we've drifted. And you're eager to receive us back on the path that you'd have us on. Thank you. And God, we recognize that you've been trying to work in our lives. You've been trying to call us into to places that are tough, that are uncomfortable, that are unknown where they go. God, I ask right now for everyone that can hear my voice that you would give courage to move toward you in that area, to know that we can trust you. That you have us. And you know, we want to live the life and the adventure that you have for us. God would you speak to us this morning? Draw us close, help us to, to trust you in a way that that we haven't lately. Maybe we haven't ever. Meet us here, Lord.